right, everybody, welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. And I'm Clayton. Well, and I'm the Taylor Swift virgin. I was going to do that, yeah, and I'm the Taylor <laughs> Swift veteran. Thank you for doing that, because I was going to do that. Um, so yeah. we're talking so, about everything Taylor Swift. For no reason other than we really wanted to, and we do have an outlet, and we said it's our podcast, so we could talk about whatever we want. But we knew we couldn't just talk about it alone. No. Uh, so we decided that <laughs> we had to That would be self-indulgent. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we called up one of our favorite authors, our favorite romance authors, who has a truly beautiful book coming out February 23rd. It's called Love at First. You can pre-order it now. Then it just shows up, guys. That's the best way to do it. Um, Kate Claiborne, thanks so much for coming. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to be here talking Taylor. I know I'm always <laughs> I'm always tweeting about Taylor. And so what a natural fit I am to come on here. So that's you were the only one we thought of. That's interesting. So you do a lot of tweeting about Taylor. Obviously, if you've read, if you've listened to this podcast, I don't have access to Twitter, so I'm not able to really check. But so she is a topic of conversation frequently for you. Yeah. What is your relationship to Taylor Swift and her music? Um. So I really love Taylor Swift music, and I have for a long time, and. Uh, what I would say is that I really love Taylor Swift's songwriting. Um, and I just want to, as like a disclaimer, I want to say, I know nothing about Taylor Swift's personal life. It's like the least interesting thing to me about celebrities in general. And so I don't think I have approached the level of sort of Taylor Swift fandom to know all the details I should know about her life. Um, but I think that she is a great songwriter and I think she does something with her songs that as a writer, I really appreciate. Um, one, I think she's like really playful with language. And so I love that about her songs. And I also just think that she's a writer who is good at eliciting a lot of emotion with her, with her lyrics. And I, I love that. That's what I try to do in my books. And so um that's like what draws me to her songs again and again. Yeah, I, I feel like that. I'm kind of the same way. It's hard it's hard not to hear about her private life yeah. because it is so omnipresent. If you're ever online, it's she's mm-hmm. in a lot of headlines. And I do think it does, unfortunately, detract from like what you're saying is how great of a writer she really is and how great of a just songwriter in in general – that I think people are now realizing more with these last two releases. Yeah. And it is a shame that we're in such a celebrity obsessed culture that that becomes a thing. But she's also, I think she did probably play into it a little bit because she was young and she's still young, but she was very young and it's hard not to play that game when you're in your twenties. Yeah. So I think she's finally kind of getting to a place where she doesn't have to indulge in that anymore and she's not as much and i think it her legacy is going to be much better for it yeah i think she likes i mean she seems to like to write about a lot of times she seems to like to write about her own life and she's talked about how she she takes inspiration from her own life and things like that i think like i am not interested as a as a consumer of her songwriting in like reading into how every lyric of hers layers on to a relationship that she's had. And I think that the media likes to do that a lot. Um, 
And I just try to, I just try to ignore that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, it almost makes me anxious to do that. Um, because it doesn't matter to you whether the sweater in the drawer is Jake Gyllenhaal. Correct. Or whatever, you know, like whose cardigan is it? It doesn't really matter because like you can graft onto her songs, your own experience. And that's what she's so good at is making uh, specific experiences universal. Yeah. And that was my big draw to her. Yeah. So Aaron, real quick. So what is your experience with Taylor Swift and her and her songs and music? I think I'm probably the most of like a newcomer to Taylor Swift. Obviously, like I've known about her forever. The big um, Kanye West incident, I think, was like a big moment in culture. And I think for a long time, that was sort of like the thing I knew about her. I knew that she liked writing about like boyfriend she was dating and sort of all of that, which I did always feel like was unfair at the time because I'm like, I'm like, were none of you ever like, teenagers are in your early 20s because like that is kind of what occupies a lot of your time so it only sort of makes sense um and then um I, I I feel like I didn't love her for a long time I think because of her persona in the media I always felt like it was a little bit abrasive or felt a little bit false and then it was only honestly with folklore um which came out on my birthday this year. I was like, well, she did you for there. you. <laughs> yeah, it was a big birthday for me. Um, and everyone was sort of freaking out about it. So I was like, oh, let me listen. And then I basically haven't stopped listening. And then I just added in Evermore and I've been listening. And then, of course, going back and listening to more of her songs earlier um, and sort of realizing obvious, like, I think I always knew that she was a very accomplished lyricist and musician like you can't take that away from her but um I don't think I was like a fan to the level that I'm a fan now until like super recently but um listen now I'm in I started reading romance novels two years later I had a podcast (laughs) I started listening to Taylor Swift and then we have an episode within six (laughs) months so this is how I like to do things it's fast turnaround I appreciate yeah listen I like something and then I want to tell the world about it um, so I would I would say for me, I did not want to like Taylor Swift. I don't think I s- sought that out as something that I would be a fan of just because growing up, you know, what you listened to was who you were. There was such a defined line between what was cool and what was lame. Now, that's not the case. You have people listening to anything across the board, which I like better. Uh, being able to listen to, you know, like indie music, but then also like Carly Rae Jepsen is like the way the world is now. And I think it's better for it because you can just enjoy whatever you want. But at the time when I started listening to her, I actually did not do it uh, consensually. It was at a job. I worked a container store and they (laughs) would play, you know, pop songs uh, on the, the sound system and I hadn't listened to radio in years. And I didn't know what was new. I didn't know what was a, like a, a hit. I mean, I kind of knew if it was omnipresent, but otherwise I had never really sought out Taylor Swift. And, you know, you have these long days, you have these eight hour days working in a, a retail store and the music's, and I'm a music guy, so I'd always listen for songs that I liked. And 
her songs would come on. And this was around the era of uh, Speak Now. So it would be those songs and then the ones from Fearless. So the ones the, from the, the one before. And man, I just started really waiting for those songs to come on and being excited to hear Love Story or Sparks Fly or, you know, like those songs would would be like a, a nice little oasis in just a sea of music that was like dance. Like it's everything was about partying and stuff. And I'm here, <laughs> you know, wearing an apron, stocking empty boxes. And I'm like, this ain't a part. Like I'm no part of a party <laughs> right now. But her songs were about love. They were about connection and relationships. And they were really just poppy, but not saccharine they just there was just something about her that was different than what i was listening to so then red came out and it got great reviews across the board they said she moved away from country she moved into pop and that's that album had we are never ever getting back together right which was a fun pop song and i was i was like oh this is interesting for her but then i listened to the rest of the album and it was so completely different it was there was a song that there's songs that sounded like U2 on it. There were songs that were these like great ballads. And I was just awestruck by this album. And I, I listened to red for maybe a year straight. I would go for long runs and I would just listen to red. And it was an album that I think it's probably my, it's gotta be in my top 10 albums of all time, just for enjoyment and listening to just pure time of listening to. So I was like, this is insane that this, artist that I had just thought was some pop star is making or a country star is just making this like amazing album. So after that, I was just hooked. Anything she put out, even uh, 1989, which I thought was, I really liked that album, but it was a little bit too pop for me. Uh, There were still some really great songs on it. And uh, then Reputation came out. And again, I had the same reaction most people did was like, oh no, what's happening here? (laughs) Is this like the end of Taylor Swift? But then folklore, folklore came. Oh no! What was it? Was after that was Lover, and Lover is a underrated album. Mm-hmm. I think there's some great songs on there. And then when Lover came out, I was like, she got it back. And then Folklore came out, and Evermore, and I'm like, okay, this is she's unstoppable at this point in my mind. So that was kind of sorry, that was very long, but that was kind of my trajectory with with Taylor Swift. Is just like once I listened to Red, I was completely hooked, and I was on the I was I'm on the hook for anything she does going forward I love that story because I think that I think that the song you, you mentioned uh when you were working at the container store the song that you would hear a lot is love story and I think that's actually yeah. the first Taylor Swift song that a lot of people heard um particularly if they didn't listen to country radio um so I think I think love story is like the entry point for a lot of people and that is that's a great song like yes it's a catchy song um and it it's weirdly stays in your head without getting annoying. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think I think that's like the the way you describe it. I think is like a really nice introduction to her her kind of takeover of the music landscape. Yeah, because I was I was listening to songs last night to prepare for this episode, and <laughs> I just was trying to skip through to be like, what are my, what's my top five. And I just got caught listening to everything. I had to, I put, I had made a playlist of all her albums and then I put it on shuffle. And I just, I was like, okay, well, I got to narrow this down because I'm just, every time I, the next one comes, it's one that I want to hear. So yeah. 
she just has such so many great songs even in those i'm not a, i don't know much about her first album i'll be honest I, I don't really know much about it she had the the tim mcgraw song but other than that i don't really i didn't listen to that album much but the next two fearless and, and speak now i think are they are, just have so many great songs that weren't even singles at least that I know. I didn't really know what she released as singles other than the really big ones. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was just like, man, she's just been so good for so long that I don't know who else really compares to her doing what she's doing. Yeah, I, I had kind of a similar experience when I tried to pick five. I don't know, Aaron, if you picked five. Um, but I was like trying to pick five to talk about on the podcast and I had sort of the same experience where I'd be like let me just listen to a little bit of this one and I'd end up like listening to more and more and let me tell you it was hard it was it was a real challenge to pick five yeah yeah I I I can't even with like Evermore and Folklore I am having a real hard time picking any because they're so new yeah and also I love almost all the songs so it's very hard to make that distinction and pull something out yeah did you pick five Aaron? i did pick five i think i was trying to be like maybe i'll retroactively go listen to older albums to then pick my top five it didn't really work but there were a lot of it's that thing of once you start listening to an artist that you're like oh wow so all of these are their songs like i don't think before this i thought i could have named as many taylor swift songs as i knew um I remember one of our first dates, Pat took me to a U2 show and he was like, they have a lot of songs. They did all this stuff. And that's sort of how I was feeling was like, oh, wow. Yeah, she has been around forever and she's been a soundtrack for so long. I was able to pick five, three, fo- wait, three Folklore, one Red and one Evermore. Ooh. Oh, I like so, this. Yeah. I, w- I kind of want to hear. OK, can I make a suggestion for something? Yes. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to hear what what Aaron's five are. And then my five, so I did something different, which is like I only let myself go from the last five albums. Okay. And then I, and then I want to hear Clayton's because, Clayton, you have like the, the most extensive knowledge <laughs> of the. <laughs> well, setting myself up for that is going to be like all the real Taylor Swift fans are going to probably jump on me because these are just my faves right now. It was so hard for me. Yeah, at the moment in time. Yeah. I feel the same. I feel the same way. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I think it's like depending on the day and your mood, yeah. you start reacting to different songs differently. And I think something that I love about these two albums uh as I've been listening to them is like lyrics just will pop out at you randomly. Like I've listened to it now. I don't know how many times, but you still hear something new in the songs or, or you interpret a line differently than you did before. So this is definitely a moment in time. Also, uh, you know, well, I'll speak for myself. Like we aren't, this isn't a, like a definitive Taylor Swift podcast. This is kind of like three friends talking Taylor. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Just so, like, if we get something wrong or if we forget a big song or a big moment, um, yeah, it's because we're this is cash, guys. <laughs> I do want to also tell the audience that Clayton's first suggestion was we each pick a top three from each album. No, that was not my suggestion. It was the <laughs> what was our your favorite suggestion? song from each album. That was not I a think, top three yeah. from each album, although I could do it. <laughs> I texted it to Kate and she just texted me back like question marks. 
Wait, you like, said okay, top we're gonna have three from each album? I don't know. Maybe I said top three or whatever it was. She said back all albums, question mark. So it was one song from each album, but I could see how that could be too much. But it was just an, a, a mm-hmm. way to talk about, you know, her various albums because there's, you know, yeah, there's so many in, good songs. Yeah, it's a way into the songs yeah. and what we love about them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so should we, should each of us do our five together and then we'll do the next person's five or? Yeah. I mean, we could do it that way. Okay. Cause I think you, it, it, ours seems so separated as to what we did. Mm-hmm. So I think that's mm-hmm. an interesting way to do it. Absolutely. Okay. So this is, this is just five songs and not necessarily in order because that's too hard to do. Okay. Um, but something that I really love about Taylor Swift songs is she has these songs that are very emotional, but they are always stories. And, you know, as a writer myself, it's like, I, that's what I respond to stories. That's why I like sort of some country music as well, because they tend to be more of this like folky stories. Um, so the first song is the last great American dynasty, uh, off of folklore. Great song. Um, it's such a great song. I love it. It's basically the story of this, a true story, I guess, of this woman who owned her uh, Taylor Swift's house in Watch Hill, Rhode Island, before she did all about, uh, you know, who she was and um, the decisions she made and how, you know, these places are sort of passed down through the people who most need them at the moment they most need them. Um, and how a place sort of has that, that soul and that energy. Um, and I just really like it as a story, um, to bring it back to romance. I feel like Joanna Shoup writes a lot about the Gilded Age. She's talked about writing now about sort of the Newport set, which I'm very excited about. Uh, and I, I felt like this was such a great primer to be, to sort of learn about that, uh, moment in history. That's a great, that's a great song. I love that song. Yeah. I think Dude, that's like going to be my commentary on all of these. Yeah. Great, song. <laughs> great song. Love that great song. Great song. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you, like, yeah. I mean, chime in if you have thoughts on the song too, but. I love, uh, I the, mean, I love the twist at the end of that song. That's like a very country mm-hmm. music move, like at the end when she says like, um, and then it was bought by me or whatever. I think that's like a, she, there's a lot of like layers to her songwriting, I think. And I, yeah. yeah, she also has the, on Red, she has that song, The Lucky One, which is about, supposedly about Joni Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that song too. And mm-hmm. she, she does that. She, she writes songs about other famous women and how she relates to them and their journeys. And I think that's really awesome. And, you know, you don't want to, it's, it, it's hard because I don't want to just compare her to, other female songwriters because she's just in that she's just in that echelon with everybody. But Joni Mitchell also is Joni Mitchell is like a generational talent as well. And to have her thinking about uh, looking at someone like Joni Mitchell and being like, what's my life compared to hers? And, and how do I want my legacy to be the same is like really interesting. And at the time she was like 22 thinking that, and that just shows you kind of what league she's she's in and what league she's always been in. Yeah. Well, I think it's also it's it's not. Um, I don't think it's not like prideful or boastful to be like, you know, I am 
a very good lyricist like she is and to sort of look back to say who else was doing what I was doing in this different time I think that's like only feels natural and it was Joni Mitchell yeah um who was amazing um then okay so I'll do all my folklores and so then Invisible String mm, great song <laughs> <laughs> That's such a gentle love song. God, it's so good. The way we're all connected. Yeah. But like, you know, it's just when you think about those things, it's just so beautiful. Yeah, it's very faded mates. It's good stuff. Exactly. Like, yeah, the romance fan in me is going to love Invisible String because it is a song just about um, you're going to end up with the person you're supposed to end up with. And slowly throughout your life, all the things that you, decisions you make and the changes that happen are sort of bringing you to this place yeah which I just love yeah a faded mates thing situation so and and it's just a beautiful song to listen to and then the third from folklore is exile with Bonnie Iver so I love this song as well I think this is so many of her songs do the sort of back and forth and you listen to her songs in a different frame of mind or from a different point of view and it sort of changes the meaning really completely Um, And this one, I think, does that because it's a duet, you're sort of hearing two people trying to talk to each other and trying to engage with each other and not being able to. And I think especially the line um, I gave you. So he's he says, like, you never gave me a sign. And she's like, I gave you so many signs. Um, And it's 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 a beautiful song. Also, I think about a breakup. But why two people who do love each other break up? Because there is such a disconnect. So. Um, exile. Not a good song, Clayton. Or you no, just want no, to go? That's such a good the, the lyric. Uh, I can I can see you staring, honey. Like you get your knuckles yeah. bloody. Oh my god, what a line! I just didn't want to keep saying great song. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Because it seems so. No. 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 Me personally, you. Yeah. No, but that's why I didn't say it's a great song. Of course, it's a great song. <laughs> oh man. Okay, Aaron. Sorry. Keep going. No. Okay. So those are all of my folklores. Happiness from Evermore. I think just the line that keeps playing in my head and my heart is I haven't met the new me yet. And I love the idea of her. And, and the song is obviously about a relationship ending and looking back and there were good points and there were bad points. And, but ultimately I'm going to be a new person after this. And I love it so much because I think as you know, I've gotten to be in my mid thirties. I sort of realized like you never stop working towards something. And I just really relate to and love the idea of I'm going to change again. I don't know who that person is, but I'm changing for her. And then once I meet her, I'll, I'll know more about her, but this sort of always kind of moving and looking forward. I really love in that song. Well, that's the whole thing about that song is there is happiness before and there'll be happiness after. And that is such a smart, simple idea that I think a lot of people never grasp. And they mm-hmm. hold on to these relationships and they don't realize that, yes, you had happiness and it went away, but you can have happiness again. And you've got to remember that happiness with that person because that was worthwhile. Unless you have, obviously, a situation with a poisonous you know, relationship that is no good. Most people, I think, have relationships where they were with somebody, things didn't work out, and then they moved on. And if you 
you got to hold on to that happiness you had with that person and understand that happiness will come again. I think that's such Mm -hmm. an elegant thing for somebody. And, you know, she is in her 30s now, but like there's people in their 50s still struggling with that that concept and having bitterness just take over them. I just think it's so smart. Mm hmm. Great song. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Now when you don't say it, I feel um, judged. I feel self-conscious because then I'm like, oh, so I didn't pick a great one this time. Well, your next uh, one also, is a red song, so it's, yeah. it's going to be a great song because it's on red. Um, we are never getting back together, which is the pop song off of that. I feel like the thing about Taylor is she is such a good like she does like folklore and Evermore, and she has a lot of songs that have these like deep meanings, but. She's also like, she can turn out a banger and she is really good at that too, which is like hard. The reason they're called pop songs is because they're popular. It's hard to be popular. Um, And I think this is just a really fun song that whenever it's on the radio or anything, you find yourself singing along whether you want to or not. Um, It's as the kids say, a bop. And I just, I just enjoy it when I'm listening to it. So I thought, put it on the list. You could come to me tomorrow and it would be five different songs. Right? Those so are, this is truly a snapshot. Yeah. Those are five really good ones. I'm excited too because I have none of the same ones on mine. Oh, this I makes guess. it much better. Okay. But good. those are all songs that I love so much. So, yeah. My five also different. Oh my gosh. This is exciting. So 15 I if- songs. I'm surprised. <laughs> I did think that there would be more overlap. We'll see I'm- if there's overlap between me and me and Clayton I don't know oh yeah you're right okay we'll yeah see. possible yeah look at Kate, you're let's, smart let's... Kate you're always thinking yeah, yeah. okay right. so before before I say mine I want to tell you a little bit about how I did this because it was really stressful to pick yeah. five so like I said I only I was like okay I'm just gonna pick from the last five albums then that that includes some albums that people don't love as much and then I also basically what I did was I I picked like two from each album and then like put them in a cage match in my head um <laughs> For which I would pick. <laughs> um, so, I, and I guess what I tried to think about when I was picking was like the things that maybe I relate to. I don't really quite know what her process is, although every time she has ever done anything where she has talked about her process, like she did um, a Netflix documentary where she talked a little bit about her process. And I, I love watching writers talk about how they get ideas. Um, and, and one thing I, I really sort of relate to about her is that she seems to often, like, she'll have sort of an image in her mind, and that's what sort of, like, gets the, the song going. Um, so it might be, like, one phrase or, or one little idea. And, and I'm kind of a writer like that, too. I might have, like, one little thing in my mind, and I will build a book around that one thing. Um, so I, I was sort of thinking about that as I was picking songs. So I started with... 1989, and my the, the two I put in a cage match were Style and Clean. And Great songs. I picked <laughs> I I picked Style, which yeah. I, I just think is like it's a great pop song. Um, that is also really clever. Like the lyrics are very clever, and I also just love how she uses images in the song. So. Um, you know, like, I think the first line of it is like, um, you know, about coming, you know, 
you're picking me up at midnight headlights, right? It's just like all these images. And I think she does really well, like creating images like that. I love that song. I think it's a great song. Um, and I could listen to it on repeat a lot. So from 1989, I picked Style. Go ahead and say it's a great song. It is a great song. Okay, yes. thank you. Both of those songs are great. <laughs> thank Clean you. is great as well, but Style is great too. <laughs> okay. So then from Reputation, I know, I know, Clayton, you thought this was the end of Taylor, but I think there's some great songs on Reputation. So uh, the two I picked from there were Delicate and Getaway Car. Yes, um, great songs. And Delicate I, is great. Yes. I picked I picked Delicate because I have written a lot to that song. It is a great song to write to. Um, and I just love the feeling that it elicits and like how it talks about um, just sort of like the real tenderness and vulnerability of a relationship starting out. And if you're a romance writer, that's like the energy you're always trying to search for. Um, so I love that song. That that song is great, and I love that she. It's it's the best um, song that she where she talks about her reputation. Yeah, and you really get to the core of like how she feels about it and who she really is. Because I think the rest of that album was some sort of bravado that I don't feel like suited her very well. But I think delicate is such a beautiful song and really gets to the core of like you know, how her reputation, it can affect her relationships. Yeah. And yeah. that's why, I mean, that's a song that, that, that's, that was in contention for my top five. Okay. Have, yeah. have, do we have any overlap yet? We do not. Okay. Let me keep going. Ooh. Okay. So from Lover, my two were Cruel Summer and Death oh. by a Thousand Cuts. Yes. Cruel <laughs> Summer almost made it yeah. to mine. It's such a great pop it's, song. I mean, you know what? The songs that make it on the radio for her from from like most of her recent albums are nowhere near the best songs on the the albums that she puts out. Cruel Summer is like just this incredible song. Um, I think Saint I think Saint Vincent co-wrote it with her, which is like yes, amazing. Um, so I really love that song. But Death by a Thousand Cuts wins, I think, for me. Um, I really love that song, and it makes me think of characters I have written. Um, I know that the song is about a, a romantic breakup, but it always makes me think of Megan Sibby in Love Lettering. Um, just like the sort of sadness of a breakup. And it has one of my favorite lines that she's ever written, which is this line where she says, I dress to kill the time. Mm. And I just think that's like, that just captures such a feeling of like, when you're grieving something and you don't really know what to do with yourself. Um, so I just love that line. I dress to kill the time. Um, so I picked that one. Yeah. Um, I love that. I, that, I, that album is so underrated too. Yeah. There's so many good songs on there. Um, okay. From folklore, this was the same reason that Aaron said, I think if you asked me this tomorrow, I would pick two more, but I was deciding between, talking about the one and peace and i picked peace which is really i think a lovely song um and the line i would die for you in secret that's like that is probably my entire ethic in relationships so i really love that line um i just think that's a very sweet song very soft uh so i picked that one um and then from evermore 
this was really hard because it's so new. So I just don't know if I have the right. But but today it was between Ivy and Marjorie. Yes, yes, those are the those are the ones. And <laughs> Sorry, I, those are the two. Yeah, I picked Marjorie because um, yeah, I, I mean, it's about her grandmother, and it's I was very close to my grandmother. Aaron has just read my book, which is about a, a woman who has lost her grandmother, uh, and so her grandmother is a big part of the story. And so I, this song just really means a lot to me. I don't know how anybody like listens to this song and doesn't feel. Like, I don't know, some longing for somebody that they've lost. So yeah. those were my five right now. And I just, it was so hard. I just felt like this was a gift to be able to think about it. Yes. So you went with Marjorie then. Marjorie I went with Marjorie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Ivy's great because it's, it's such a, it's, it's, it's poppier than some of the other stuff yeah. on the album. And I think that's, that's one of the songs that, um, who's the guy from, forgetting his name uh he he worked a uh, jack um antonoff i think yeah. did like yeah mm-hmm. he produced that song ivy was good too uh but yeah th- uh the one you chose is just yeah how does it not cut to your core like yeah when that song came on i went for a run and was listening to the album because i was like when it first came out i didn't really have time to listen to it and i was like i gotta go for a run i gotta listen to this and when that came on, I like almost stopped dead. Yeah. Because I was not prepared for that song during a run. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I am very emotional right now. And yeah. my feet won't move. Gets right and in there. Yeah. It's so, that's such, yeah. All great picks, obviously. Yeah. Thank all you. All great picks, all great songs. <laughs> I love I also any that overlap? you. Yeah. Any no overlap. overlap. Yay. I love that you were able to get 10 songs in there. That was yeah, really sneaky. And because I, of the cage match. And I love that cage match idea is awesome. <laughs> so mine are going to be, so we haven't had any crossover whatsoever, which is so interesting. I, Which is also like an amazing testament to Taylor as well, that like three people who are all big fans of hers could pick top five songs and not have it be overlap yes you know like there are 15 songs that like super fans would choose and i'm sure whoever is listening to us now probably has five other songs they're probably like you didn't choose whatever you know so i i really didn't pick anything from folklore or evermore because they're so new it was very hard for me it's weird because when evermore came out I was like, well, you know, folklore was so great. I don't really know what this could add. I actually really, I feel like I like Evermore more than folklore. And I don't know if it's a newness situation, but I think like the song consistency on that album and just the way it completely flows the whole way through, it, it, it feels like a, a, a album that moves faster or something. I don't know. It could just be newness. But I'm so impressed that this second album in how many months is maybe one of her best ever. Yeah. And I think Folklore is also one of her best ever. So, I mean, that's another thing. But it's just like I was re-listening to everything. And as soon as I got to Evermore, I couldn't skip any tracks except for, and people are going to hate me for this, and please don't hate me for this, but the, 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 the song with Haim. The, oh yeah, the no, no song. body, no crime. No body, no crime. It's too much of a novelty for me. I love Haim 
like we could do a podcast about them because their their three albums I think are so awesome. I love them and everything they do. There's just something novelty about it that I haven't been able to sit with and really get into. I do skip that song and I need to not skip it because people do love it. But, but it, you also don't like true crime. And I feel like that's like a like a I, love letter to true crime. I don't like true crime. I do not. So that's probably why I don't want to hear about murder. I don't want to hear about violence. Um unless it's a crazy action movie. That's that's the only time I like violence is when it's like You only like comical violence. Yeah, well, no, I mean action movie like, you know, like you know, Angel Has Fallen isn't comical, but I'll watch that. But like if it's a true life murder thing, I don't want to it's too close no. to home, I guess, for me. Uh, okay, so my, I did, okay, I, I did do a five to one, but I, like, again, it can change. And this is very, um, just an, a moment at the moment. My number five is a bonus track on 1989. And the reason it's New Romantics. Mm-hmm. And I love this song because it is as good as anything on that album. And she just tacked it on the end of some album that was only available to buy at Target. And <laughs> I just feel like that's just her ability to, to, to write these tracks that are bonuses and just be as good as her regular material. The other thing about that is it's very hard because 1989 for me feels like such a album that is front to back really great pop that you can't... I, I've had a hard time separating out like... You know, do do I like style more like you know, style more than clean? That would be a very difficult decision to make. But new romantics, I really love, and the it's 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 really about. She says in the song, "I could build a castle from all the bricks that you throw at me." Paraphrasing, mm-hmm. and then there's a she's singing that at the end, and there's this part at the end that gives me chills where she does this run on me, and she doesn't really do any sort of like runs but it's so like just hits this peak where like i'm getting chills just thinking about it and i I would listen to that part over and over again and that became kind of my favorite song on 1989 and i wanted 1989 to be on my list but it was very hard for me to pick one out of that run so i went with that song also if you haven't heard that song and you're listening to this listen to that song i do think it is available now on spotify and stuff i think so too Right, so that is my number five. Um, my number four is Forever and Always. I'm I'm a very bad. I I really like her ballads, and it's it's a from one of her earlier albums. So it it has that young love innocence to it that I think is really captivating. But also listening to it in the context of her 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 stuff now. It's fun to listen to her evolution on her thoughts on love and relationships. That's been one of the great things about her living in public is that if you put aside the, you know, the fact that, you know, the Jake Gyllenhaals and the uh, uh, John Mayers and all that stuff, you can just think of yourself in these times and when you were that age and like what you thought love was or should be. So forever and always piano version my Ooh, nice. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then my number three is another kind of ballady song, 
it's Begin Again from Red. Yeah, it's a great. And Begin Again is great because it has that similar type of theme that we were talking about with um, happiness in that it, it, you're, you get bummed out, you think love doesn't exist, and then, you know, on a Wednesday in a cafe, it all begins again, right? So you could walk in somewhere and all of a sudden your life is different and everything you were feeling before has changed. And I think I just love that concept. And I love the way that she wrote, wrote that song. That's like, that's my number three. Or wait, yeah, number three. Number two was so hard because I wanted to put one of her pop songs and I wanted to put one of the songs that I heard at Container Store that really got me going <laughs> as a fan of hers. And I went, and this, this, this number is gonna, could change like tomorrow. But sparks fly, and just because I love that concept of like, I, I see sparks fly whenever you walk by, right? That kind of thing that you feel when you see somebody that you and 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 full disclosure, I when I worked at that job, I started dating somebody from that store, and I had a long term relationship with them, and there's nothing better than being at work and having a crush on somebody, but then also it becoming a relationship and like having that distance where you see them walking around and you can't really do anything about it. But, you know, it's just like that, you know, we were equals. We were at the same level. I wasn't a boss. Just letting everybody know. Because <laughs> this is important, right? Yes, we were both is. like, we were both at the same level and we were just like, you know, two peons trying to get through a day, right. stocking boxes. And that moment of seeing somebody and your heart, you know, gets up in your chest and you just like feel those butterflies. And and I would hear that song and think of her. So like that makes me love that song even more. So that is my number two. Oh, I'm so excited. My number <laughs> one is also from Red treacherous wow because <laughs> a deep cut clayton yeah did that, did that blow your mind a deep cut is it a great song though yeah i thought you were gonna say all too well i was like probably all too, i can't so believe close. none of us none of us said all too well all too well was so close to being this because i feel like those two songs are kind of similar in the vein of feeling yeah but I, just like the build of treacherous is I just really love that and how it's dangerous and all that stuff. And it's, it just, um, that's a song that I would put on when I was running and like, I would, I would just be like a motivational song. Cause it's like, you're running up the hill, you know, uh, but emotionally like trying to get through something emotionally and then getting that, having that physical com uh, accompaniment to it was really powerful for me. So it motivated me physically, but also emotionally. And so I think that was the kind of song that I really had to put at number one. Also co-written by the gentleman from um, Semisonic. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he became a songwriter. The lead, the lead singer of Semisonic became like a songwriter. And he worked with Adele. And he oh. also worked with Taylor Swift. And he, I believe, uh, co-wrote Treacherous with her. Wow. Nice. So that's my top. And so no crossover whatsoever. That was so good. 
out of out of what? So when you put it all together, twenty songs because yeah. you had two songs. I know. I'm. I <laughs> you had two for each. No, I love that. Yeah. But that's crazy. Twenty songs and we had no crossovers. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. My goodness. Now listen, I want to know. Do you guys think that Taylor Swift reads romance novels? Uh, that's she a great has question. To. I think about it way too much <laughs> for my for my own good. I think about it a lot. Well, what is since you've thought the most about it? What is your thought process? Do you do you think that that she does? Uh, it's like it's like I really hope she does. I think because of the things that I things I said before. It's like you know when I first started writing romance novels, like one of the very first pieces of advice I got was like, think of the books that you love most. Think of the romance novels you love most, and think of the moments that you loved the way they made you feel, right? Like, what are the feelings that you want your readers to feel? And that's like, that's how I write. I write like thinking like that. And I feel like there's something like that in her songwriting. She really creates like feeling through her music. And so I like to believe that she's got a stack of these next, you know, she's got a big, just a big bookcase full of romance novels that she goes to. Yeah, and I I think that she she does always look for the happy ending, right? I mean, I, I think that's she wants a happy ending, and I I think from her earlier song her earliest songs that was what she was looking for. And obviously, when you get older, those things get more complicated. But I think at the end of the day, she is a romantic. Yeah, she is a yeah. dyed in the wool romantic at heart. And if she hasn't read romance, she needs to. She would love it. She, she would love it. Yeah. Taylor, if you're listening. You I know. This podcast has so many great recommendations. Because we must be the only people <laughs> For talking. For your songs, but also. Yeah. yeah we must, be, we must yeah. be the only people talking about it. I, don't, I doubt there's any other podcast with about Taylor Swift. No, so I think she. She's going to be Google. She's, she's been waiting Google for alert. this one. Yeah. The Google mm-hmm. alert will be like, oh, finally, a podcast about me. <laughs> Uh, but Let's who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Well, it, yeah, if you were to recommend a romance novel to Taylor, say she has it, which seems unlikely, I think, what would what would you recommend? To put you on the spot. Is this for is this for all of us? Are we all thinking about this? Let's all think about it, yeah. Well, I mean, I know mine. Are you you can't say dreaming of you, Clayton. Ah! You have to <laughs> He can't, but, he can't say Dreaming of You? But I want to read you, it. I know. But I feel like that's your blanket recommendation at all times is Dreaming of You. Oh, fine. You could recommend Dreaming of You. Well, let me. Okay. I can think of a deeper cut, maybe. <laughs> Letta Blake? Would she like Empreg? <laughs> I mean, well, Should I be a Blake... total psycho and be like, yeah, uh, Taylor, <laughs> if you haven't read any Empreg, <laughs> you need to. Because this to. book will change you. This will you ease won't see you it in. coming. This will ease you into romance. <laughs> or strange well, I love. <laughs> I know. Strange love is so good. Well, when we had Letta Blake on, she also talked about how she basically just listened to Red, I think it was. Yeah. I she said we... a specific album uh, during writing Slow Heat. So, you know? Yeah. Maybe. I, uh, I'm just trying to yeah. think of like, I think... I think Taylor Swift would have a fondness for angst. And so I'm, I'm trying to think about. I thought you were immediately going to say 
Laura Kinsale. What's the one that? Flowers from the Storm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great book, but it's like, I, I would never say to a person who has never read a romance novel, I would never say start with the one where the guy has an aneurysm in chapter two. I would never say <laughs> yeah. that. That I mean, there's angst there that I think she would really enjoy. Yeah. But like, how do we hook her? That's the thing. We need, we need one that is going to hook you for life. <laughs> wow. Listen, this seems like I'm blowing smoke and I am not, but like maybe love lettering because I oh. do think love lettering is a lot about um, finding beauty in things and finding beauty in small moments. And I think it's a lot about, I, I like that I'm just saying this to, to the author yeah. so you could say no it's yeah. or whatever. The, I'm sorry. No, it's really not about the beauty you. in small things. Listen, listen. <laughs> that taco place in Love Lettering is on Cornelia Street. Yeah. Did you there know that? Like, did you I mean, write because of Cornelia Street? Or? No, no. I had okay. no, I had turned in the book before then. But when when Cornelia when Lover came out, I was like, oh, Cornelia Street, that's where the taco place. <laughs> So, you know, Taylor, maybe you'd like my book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, she, but I think that she would, because it does seem, you know, and it's a lot about the creative process and it's a lot about sort of being happy with where you are in the moment, which seems to be also a theme for her. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean that, I think that would be good. Of course, the wallflowers were always going to recommend. Yeah, but clay pass, yeah. Yeah, we're always going to send a clay pass flying by someone's head if they'll allow us. <laughs> well, she gave, she, she, you, the Wildest Dreams is in Bridgerton, the Bridgerton series as an instrumental. So mm-hmm. she obviously, well, no, that's not true. They didn't have to go through her for that. No, they went she through. She doesn't those anymore. Um, that guy. Yeah. Uh, we won't speak his name. He doesn't no. deserve it. But yeah, she so would, they, she wouldn't want us to. She wouldn't, no. yeah. So she didn't have to okay that, which sucks, kind of. And is I maybe, feel like she would be okay with it. I feel like she's watched episodes of Bridgerton. Well, that's the thing. That's what I was getting at. Is that uh, I don't have access to Twitter. Obviously, has she tweeted at all about Bridgerton? Is she that, doesn't tweet about that sort of thing? I don't think. Is it mostly SpongeBob memes? Yeah, truly. No, she's yeah. been really. Her Twitter has been really. Uh, she has made pointed political statements in the last two years. I would say on Twitter, like she has used her platform. Yeah. Very yeah. specifically in the last couple of years, I would say. Yeah. So I. Yeah, I think, and that's been great to see too as a fan. Um, but yeah, so I don't think that then she would do like vote in the Georgia election. And also Bridgerton was pretty hot. How about that spoon scene? It just doesn't seem like. <laughs> What's up with the bees in Bridgerton? Also, we don't know Georgia, hashtag Georgia runoff. <laughs> yeah. I, that Okay. So yeah, I think, I mean, that's the thing is like. If, I'll send her a stack. I'll send her a stack to her publicist or whoever. You've all. got Yeah. It. yeah. So that's, yeah, that's a big, that's a big question. I think we should put that out to fans too. Uh, mm-hmm. If you yeah, email us. Yeah, what book would you recommend? Yeah, put Taylor. that on Instagram. That's a good question. Yeah. Also, your top fives. Do it. Yes. I I want to know, do you cross over with us? Yeah. Do you think we are crazy? Yeah. We, we're not crazy. We're right. These are all great songs. Those were so, that well, was it's so also, good. 
all opinions. So yeah. true. Your opinion can be different than our opinion. And, and we all are correct. We're going to record say... this tomorrow and do five different ones. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Version two. Yeah. yeah. This is just our daily thing. And we start every episode with our top five. Yeah. I do want to talk about Love at First a little bit, Kate. I didn't prep you that I just told you to come on and talk about Taylor Swift okay. and not to talk about the book. Um but we, we want people yeah. to read it. We want people to buy it. So I you know. want that too. I'm so Ex- grateful to y'all. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But so you said that there's always an image that starts every story for you. So what was the image that started Love at First? Uh um, a, a young, a, a teenage boy uh, looking up at a balcony is the image that started Love at First. Um, so obviously that's a, a very famous literary image. Um, but I think I just uh, had it really stuck in my head and I wanted to do something different with that really famous image. Um, and so the... The, this is very unusual for me. Um, I, I've said before, like I often write out of order. So be, because I write with like an image in my head, I'll often write something from the middle of the book first or from the end of the book. Um, but this is like, I think probably the only book I've ever written where the first thing I ever wrote was the prologue to the book. Um, and, and it includes that image. So uh, yeah, that's the one that, that stuck with me. Um, yeah, I love that. So the book is about, or do you want to tell us what it's about? Because I feel like I've been talking around it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, it's about um, a, uh, the hero of the book is a emergency room physician in Chicago, a very overworked emergency room physician who um, very unexpectedly inherits an apartment from uh, his uncle that he is estranged from. He has not seen his uncle in many, many years. Um, and so he inherits this apartment and he, because he has a lot of negative associations with his uncle, he just does not want to have anything to do with this apartment. Um, but he cannot sell it for a year. So he decides he's going to turn this unit into like a short-term rental property, basically like an Airbnb. Uh, but when he arrives, uh, he basically finds a community of people who are very devoted to this building and they have a lot of traditions and they um, are really careful about uh, kind of the, the family that they've created in this building. Um, and that includes the, the young woman who lives on the third floor who is going to try to stop him from doing this short-term rental. And so it's about their uh, relationship. And I just... I just really, um, when I wrote it, I, I started it kind of before the pandemic. Um, but I think about halfway through writing it, um, I, it was like March. Um, and I don't know, I think the book became sort of, um, comforting or special to me because it's so much about um, like home and how we make home and what it means to be home. And, and obviously I was thinking a lot about that, uh, given that we've, we've had to stay home a lot. Um, so I don't know. I hope it's a book that makes people feel, uh, good and safe and cozy. That is what I hope about it. That is what I tried for. 
<laughs> I definitely think you succeeded. It was it was a really wonderful book, and I started it, and I got mad because it was the week of Christmas, and I had so many people I had to talk to and be <laughs> present for <laughs> instead of sitting and reading a book, and then guys, kittens show up, and it really it's magical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I so. wanted it to feel, um, you know, because I was like taking this image from a very famous uh, sort of um, romantic scene. I wanted the book to have like big, big romantic moments, but also in a very realistic way. So um, I don't know. I feel like it's one of the most romantic books I've ever written, but we'll see what readers think when they get to it. (laughs) And it's coming out in February? Coming out February 23rd. So right around the corner. That's such a long mm-hmm. wait, though. Oh. <laughs> it is. It's still a ways away, but hopefully the time will pass quickly. Yeah. yeah. And it'll hopefully be like they'll be reading it in a time that's like a, a little bit better, you know, yes. a li- a, like the, the country maybe hopefully in a better place and our minds are in a better place. And it, you're still going to want comfort and you're still going to want stuff like that. But yeah, I think reading more romance coming into this new year is going to be really great. Get our minds into something that is a positive headspace and, and hope for a better, better future as opposed to worrying about things getting worse. Yes. That's what we need right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think reading romance totally helps your mind in that way to think, yeah, you know what? Right around the corner could be somebody. Yeah. Right. You know, it's just like, that's what I love about romance. Yeah. Me too. I've been doing a lot of rereading over the last several months, which has been really helpful to me. Um, so, because it, sometimes it's been hard for me to read new things over the last few months. Um, I hear you. Yeah. Have you, what, do you want to give us like a few recommendations of what your like comfort reads are? So, um, I mean, I have a lot, but I would say the last couple of weeks um, I've done, I've, so I don't know if you guys know um, the author Tessa Bailey, but um, Tessa has been, Tessa's been going through a difficult time and and on Instagram, uh, a a bookstagrammer that I really love, Be In Her Books did a Tessa Bailey uh, book staff challenge where she kind of challenged um, authors and readers uh, to post their stacks of Tessa Bailey books. And so I participated in that because I, I've been a fan of, of Tessa Bailey's for a long time. And that, like, posting my digital stack of her books kind of set me on a reread um, binge. And so I've been doing that the last couple of weeks. Um, and those are those are sort of comfort reads for me. Uh, what about for you guys? Do you guys have ones that you go back to? Craven, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's my guy. You know, I seem so basic now that he's no. just my guy, but like, he was the first. You know, yeah. you never forget yeah. your first. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. That, yeah, in the lead up to Bridgerton, I posted, like, who's your favorite Bridgerton hero? And somebody just wrote Cravens. She's like, oh, sorry, you guys have me <laughs> programmed to Program. respond to that anytime someone says hero. I've been rereading Ellen O'Connell, who's my one of my favorite authors. Um, Eyes of Silver, Eyes of Blue. I've been rereading um, Sarah McLean's Lord of uh, Rules of Scoundrel series. I think there are so many really beautiful moments in those books. Uh-huh. I've been rereading um, Clay Pass, obviously. Yeah. I mean, at any um, given time, at any given yeah. time in the year, I am probably rereading a, a Clay Pass or a Laura Kinsale book. Like, 
Yeah. I need to get back into Kinsale. Um, yeah. And then obviously we just reread Bridgerton's as yeah. well, which is a pretty good comfort read. Well, right. you can do these rereads while you're re-listening to Taylor Swift constantly. <laughs> yes. Full circle. What a good, ed- like Taylor, I'm sorry, Kate, do you want to just uh, ho- co-host? <laughs> I get nervous um, when I come on these things, so I had to, you know, I have to think ahead. So. Yeah. No, it's positive. It's, yeah, it's great. Um, how can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kate Claiborne or on Instagram at kateclaiborne.author. Uh, and you can find my book list at kateclaiborne.com. Great. Well, thanks so much, guys. So, yeah, this is our week, uh, our month off. I'm sure you can tell by the fact that we've been delivering an episode every week. Um, (laughs) So we don't have a book for you next week, but stay subscribed because we do have more super fun things coming um, at you. So uh, until next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.